welcome to the Supergirl Supercast, part of the incomparable family of podcasts. I'm Trishy Matson. I'm David Schaub. I'm Deanna Chapman. I'm Sarah Elkins. And today we are discussing Season 4, Episode 11 of Supergirl, Blood Memories. David, can you give us the recap? Red Supergirl isn't well. She bursts gamma rays around the world and fills some drugs with rage. But she's going to get help from America. Alex and Brainy track down the dealers, but some children of liberty steal the drugs to attack Nia's hometown. Also, the dealer's baby sister is pissed. They stop the attack, but Alex and Supergirl have words. So many secrets. Alex's memory wipe is causing her grief, but John only offers more lies. Kara is horrified by how Alex treats Supergirl, but Alex just offers a point of view unbiased by her relationship with Kara. James is not only keeping Lena's secret from the news, but is also keeping it a secret that he's keeping it from Lena. Nia hides her powers from her family. After she fails to save her mother from dying and her town is attacked, her sister, whom expected the power, lashes out at Nia in the cruelest way possible. Supergirl tries to give Nia some comfort by revealing herself as Supergirl. Trishir, yes, so that was quite the, um plot packed <laughs> plot today <laughs> for this episode <laughs> so much going on um yes and uh the secrets uh stick out like thorns all over the place so many secrets <laughs> maybe even too many <laughs> always too many <laughs> this is sarah so i think it was just the previous episode that Kara had said something to alex about Secrets are so stupid, they'll just come out in the end, right? And and then we see more of that. More secrets, or, well, continuation of secrets. I'm not sure there were any new secrets this time. Trisha, they told more lies to cover up the original lies. So Right. Later on, we'll see that, while I liked James in the last episode, not so much in this episode with just arbitrary secret keeping. Yeah, this was not a favorable James episode. This is Sarah. He was won over by Lena's board game preparations uh, and competitive we're the best couple attitude. Weak. (laughs) This is Sarah. I do think that is part of it. It seemed that he had come back to the apartment to talk with Lena and there she was prepping for the next board game outing competition against Alex and Kara and it it did seem like he had maybe been going to have a heavy conversation with her and he just liked so much that she was ready to be a couple again that he kind of shrugged off all the stuff he was going to say and was like, yeah, let's prep for that next board game competition. Shove your head in the sand there, James. Trish here. Yeah, but, you know, not only that with his relationship with uh, Lena... He also was willing to spike McKenzie's uh, investigation into L Corp. And, you know, we don't know whether there really, he really looked into it and there really wasn't anything in that money trial, money trail for the Black Project or whatever it is. Or did he really just spike it for Lena's sake? I'm wondering if maybe he spiked it so he could look into it himself and then confront Lena himself, but I feel like that's also partially wishful thinking on my part. <laughs> well, we saw his attempt at confronting Lena, and it didn't go anywhere. Because game night. <laughs> I was thinking, this is James protecting his significant other, 
But then I remembered, wait a second, this is a news organization owned by Lena. So, wow, the levels of conflict of interest here. Indeed. This is Sarah. He did try to tell that reporter, well, you have good instincts, but I still think overall, bad mentor, bad boss. I'd also like to know what the definition of sources are when you're dealing with someone else in your own company. But <laughs> <laughs> That one guy from that one department that we don't talk about. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, Trish here. Also, given that we've seen before that McKinsey is kind of the evil intern type, I wonder whether she'll disregard James's instructions and keep digging into it on her own. That would seem very McKinsey to me. This is the first time she's seemed so competent, though, even if they gave her the no sugar or dough or breakfast line. This is Sarah. She knows that she knows about the ownership of the news organization. Certainly. Right? Yes. Right. So, and it's not currently known that Lena and James are an item or are an item again. Is it? I thought it was not, but I may have missed it if it... He has a very open office. I feel like someone would have had to catch um, on to that. <laughs> there's not a lot of That's true. walls. Sarah, um, no proclamations. But uh, he had seemed so ready to go back into a relationship with Lena when she made the least little move towards him. He said, well, I, I was on my moral high horse. Well, he didn't say it, but I'm a big old marshmallow and I just <laughs> want to be back with you. <laughs> I mean, that's sort of how it seemed to me, so. Absolutely. I think the real question is, does HR know and, eh. Sarah, not every company has strict rules against uh, <laughs> fraternization, so. You know, Trish here, some companies that started small family or operations just never get around to creating good, you know, all-purpose corporate ethical HRs. <laughs> yes, this is Sarah. Having worked at IT startups, there are some companies that really cling proudly to their old startup days and vehemently resist attempts to professionalize. But those days were a while ago for Elcorp. Elcorp. <laughs> we don't know. Very different family dynamic there, too. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's a very special family. <laughs> Going on to the other plots, I had a couple comments about the header and footer of this episode. I just want to put one note out that, yet again, TV is programming everyone in the world to not know how to use defibrillators. <laughs> in that using them through clothing is bad. And, oh well, it should be a health issue. They shouldn't be allowed to do that. Oh well. But my real question about this plot is, is it an implication that the energy that came out of Red Supergirl caused rage that she is going to be presented as a rageful evil character or is she going to be presented as more like a clone? And that's still that question that is outstanding. This is Sarah. So they specifically referred to the thing that came out of out of her as gamma rays, didn't they? Sure. <laughs> I thought so. And then it has this rage effect on people who consume the pills that had the gamma rays hit them. And why did the gamma rays just hit the pills? Just those little items. That's it. Just a fluke. <laughs> Science. Or not. So Trish here, well, you know, certainly according to Marvel, gamma rays cause raging mutations. <laughs> <laughs> this is Sarah. Yes, that's right. Maybe DC Comicdom is borrowing a page from Marvel Hulk out. Very different from 
the effect of gamma rays on man in the moon marigolds. <laughs> That's a work of uh, literature, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess we've done that topic, Trish, here. So um, wait. This is Sarah. Now, so this time with the with the um, thing with Red Supergirl, she um, there was blood coming from her nose and suddenly she fell over. And had she done anything that different from what she had done the episode before? It looked like B-roll from the same work they did the last episode. It's just more of the same footage. Yeah. Okay. I think this is just something that was going to happen over time. I don't think there was an implication that it was something she was doing that caused it. Something's up with her and we do not know what it is yet. Yeah, I think they're still trying to sort of figure out how her body works, basically, because she is an alien, even if she's just a clone or something like that. I feel like they're sort of just having her go out there and do all of these different kinds of tests and then they're seeing how she responds to those training montage Mm -hmm. okay so i guess we'd better dive into some of the other plot elements do y'all want to talk about uh the alex sister relationship next or the nia plot line next this is sarah i just wanted to say if if David hadn't said the thing about Alex having a less biased perspective on Supergirl this time, I was going to because I, you know, Kara thinks that obviously something is wrong with Alex because Alex is no longer taking some of Kara Supergirl's um, glib explanations of how and why she does things, and you know, so so Kara is thinking something is wrong with Alex, and yes, yeah, so I'm thinking. That's right. Somebody tell it to Supergirl like it is. <laughs> it's like a breath of fresh air. <laughs> yes. Of icy fresh air. <laughs> but the thing that concerned me a little bit is every time Alex does this, we just get glances from everyone else. We get glances from John in both occurrences. But no one actually steps up and says anything positive about Supergirl. So I find it strange that everyone's just sort of letting Alex ride with being a sort of a little mean about Supergirl and not defending her. Even if Kara can't, the others could. This is Sarah. I wonder if they're afraid that if they say something defending Supergirl, that Alex feeling the way she does now, if she'll start suspecting them. Uh, I'm not saying that's a great reason, but I'm just wondering if that might be part of why they're keeping quiet right now. Or maybe be. they're just surprised and, you know, when when you're surprised, it's not always easy to come up with the perfect response. So, I think they're all still figuring out how to talk about Supergirl with Alex, too, without giving anything away. Because all of these people suddenly know and Alex doesn't. And I think that's something new for everyone. Even Supergirl is, like, using her first name and everything. And she makes the comment, call me Director Danvers. And it's like, oh, okay, that's how this is going to go. But Kara took it so personally. As she always does, <laughs> says Trish. <laughs> she should have known, too, that this would happen. It's like, things aren't going to be exactly the same just without her knowing your secret. This is Sarah. So I was thinking about um, how if if she had not known... Uh, that Kara was her sister or or if Kara had not been her sister all along. It's possible that people would have been pushing back against um, her having anti-Supergirl and anti-alien episodes, uh, attitudes earlier. Um, but 
she's sort of with this whole memory wipe wipe thing it's almost like she grew up herself but in a vacuum with all her feelings about aliens she was never able to really have a lot of dialogue with other people where somebody would say well i don't think the aliens are that bad no instead um they just wiped that part of her where she would have had those sort of reactions and thoughts with other people so it's it's like she hasn't had the practice of other people feeling other ways about aliens that she respects or at least partially respects I'd say everything Alex does is perfectly reasonable. I mean, she could have been a wreck as a function of that mind wipe. The amount of context she has lost in her mind, they touch on that a little bit in this episode, but they could have even taken it a lot further. It's really hard to not cut Alex quite a bit of slack and that she's trying to put together her mind view. And this is a pretty reasonable worldview that she's sorted out. And this is Sarah. Uh, I Right. Uh she was trying to do a self-check she was trying to say am i okay here um am i having some kind of problem so so you're right she did reach out check in with others am i doing okay is there something wrong with me i feel off so you're right a lot of respect for alex on that on a having some self-awareness there and b be willing being willing to talk with her teammates um about her concerns about her abilities so Right. And she's gaslit. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Trish here. I think it'll be interesting if next episode we get some kind of reaction from Colonel Haley, who may say, hey, it's great that you've finally fallen into line with my anti-alien bigotry. Um, and will that be, well, she won't put it like that, but, you know, <laughs> will that be another kind of check for Alex? How long do you all think this is going to continue going on for? Because I personally can't see it going beyond a few more episodes because I feel like then it would sort of just get tiring to have this happening over and over again. And it's somewhat how I felt about the Flashpoint part of the Flash. I was like, this can't last that long because, you know, if Barry's parents are still alive, then that's a very different story. And a lot of things are going to be kind of boring, to be honest with you. <laughs> This is Sarah, right? And at some point, Alex is going to call up her mom, right? And mm -hmm. maybe something will be off there as well. Um, yeah, it is hard to see how this could just go on and on and on. One of the things that's a little uh, disorienting or something for me in watching these episodes after the mind wipe is, in a way, it feels like the timeline has shifted, and I keep having to remind myself that the timeline didn't shift. Um, it's just that the memories are gone. And and it's just kind of a, because of course, I've seen so many shows and read so many comic books where the timeline shifts, but that's not what happened here, but it sort of keeps feeling like, oh oh yeah, there, there are other people who know that they're, they're siblings. And yeah, it's, it, 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 disorienting is maybe not quite the right word but it's 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 sort of strange to me to see this take on you know just no memories of the whole past but the timeline is still what the timeline was before the mind wipe exactly i would imagine that they spoke to their mother about this beforehand so that she doesn't go blabbing to alex by mistake yeah we mentioned that in the last podcast that clearly some conversations will have had to have happened to try and keep up the ruse yeah. I think it's an amazingly good question for how long this is going to be. And my first guess would have been it might be till the end of the season. 
but it might only be another episode or two. Because really, as soon as Haley's gone, the motivation for this goes away. And there's almost no way Haley's going to go past the season. The only thing that made me think this was going to last longer was the introduction of John's PI set. The introduction of that set and the setup of Brainy putting together the heroes to support Supergirl, it did kind of feel like they were prepping for a period of time where this is the new status quo. But it's going to be hard because we just went through half a season just dying because Lena doesn't know, and then they pull this. (laughs) I've been going through a few seasons of that. A few seasons of Lena not knowing. And that doubling down on the secret identity stuff is just, oh my, it's going to hurt. I think you can have Colonel Haley leave and have someone else come in, though, and still have John Jones and Supergirl working separately. It just sort of depends on what the government chooses to do, because we have seen some issues with Haley, especially in the last episode. And it's like, okay, you know, maybe the government doesn't want to keep her in particular in charge here. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out over the next few episodes or like you said david the rest of the season this is sarah it's also possible that now that gian has his nice new office he may just have enough momentum to just keep going the way he's going um uh, it's it's just uh even if things change back towards the other direction um at deo does that mean we smell a spinoff coming with (laughs) jean jones (laughs) <laughs> this is her. I wasn't thinking spinoff so much as they just may like to keep it going the way they're doing it. It does add, yeah. Here we are at somewhere that's not the same old DEO um, headquarters. Yeah. So, so they may just be looking for ways to shake things up a little on the show. Yeah. It was funny that this is the episode where Haley wasn't at the DEO, but it was the episode where John spent most of the time at the DEO, which was kind of <laughs> funny. This is Sarah. Um, back on a point. David was making a few minutes ago. I'm actually not convinced that they thought about that Kara and Alex thought about their mom at all. Because, I mean, how often do they talk to her? It seems like they actually talk to her fairly often. It's just mostly off screen from what I've gathered because she seems pretty up to date with what's going on with them. This show likes family. That's true. We don't see a lot of calls every episode, but okay. Trish here. Yeah, I think the only reason they showed us the Nia calls was to lead up to what was going to happen in this episode to, you know, otherwise they wouldn't have shown just, you know, family chit chat unless it mattered to the overarching plot. Right. They knew what they were doing with the Nia plot. And it's interesting, the episode name is Blood Memory. And John actually is the one who says the phrase in reference to Alex's experiences in her life being raised with Kara, which is a stretch, but it clearly holds together better in terms of the Neoplan. Um, Trish here. Yeah, I think they were using it as sort of an um, RNA memory, memory that isn't mental, but is somehow carried through in your biochemical reactions and epigenetics, maybe. Um, uh, they didn't really explain it, but it... it I, Memory that is not conscious, at least, I think is what he meant, which for which blood memory does not seem like a great terminology, but oh well. (laughs) It worked well for the Nia plotline, and therefore that's why they kept it, even though it was a bit weak for the Supergirl plotline. It's all secrets. 
But they can't have everything mesh perfectly. <laughs> so, uh, the Nia plot. Um, gosh, that was tough. Um, <laughs> Gut-wrenching. I mean, yes. You can see why Nia didn't want to tell her mom or her sister until she was sure A, sure what was going on, and B, well, okay, leave it there. I personally would have thought that, you know, honestly exploring options would have been better than trying to pose an awkward hypothetical to her mom about how to fix a hypothetical, as she put it, problem. But, I mean, people do that. <laughs> but I absolutely understand Maeve's feeling of betrayal and, and hurt and anger and, you know, I don't ever want to talk to you again uh, after finding out that after all those anguished conversations with Nia about, you know, when are my powers going to come, that uh, that Nia had been keeping that secret of her having the visions all this time. There's a scene missing, though, which is Maeve finding out that Nia's known about it for months. Because I don't think there's actually a reference in the episode of Maeve knowing how long Nia knew. Well, Maeve says to Nia, yes. this is Sarah, right, but we didn't we didn't see her actually finding out that Nia had been wondering if she had those powers for months. Yeah. I, I, I'm assuming this is just a conversation that happened off screen, maybe between Maeve and her dad. Uh, I, I'm not sure when it happened, but certainly Maeve seemed convinced right away that Nia had known for months, which Nia has known something was up for months. I thought that maybe she might have overheard her talking to Kara about it, but I I vaguely remember her mentioning knowing for months, but I can't recall who Nia was talking to at the time, if it was her sister or Kara or the mom. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, Trish here. Uh, so in the midst of her anger, Maeve said an incredibly hurtful thing to Nia, which is that, you know, this, uh, this ability is supposed to be passed along from mothers to daughters, and you're not even a real woman, uh, because Nia is a trans woman. Um, and so I, I don't know whether Maeve was just thinking of the most hurtful thing that she could think of on the spur of the moment, the way people do in arguments sometimes, or if she was always just putting on a supportive vo face for Nia, but in her heart never really believed, um, in, in Nia's essential nature. I don't know if we'll be able to tell until we see them heal the damage that's been done there. And I interpreted it as I'm upset and lashing out and just grab onto this thing that was horrible. It's a possibility that there's sort of a subconscious, maybe she wasn't really as supportive. Maybe that will come out as we see them going forward. This is Sarah's... So yes, there could have certainly been some something subconscious, not just on Maeve's part, but also on her mother's part, but because they were all just convinced that it it was Maeve from, you know, uh, you know, it's not surprising that that you know when Nia was just a baby, <laughs> you know, they they thought a certain way, but but um, you know, it never seems to have occurred to them that hey, Nia has transitioned to be a, being a woman. And so maybe she could be the one with powers. That just never seems to happen to them. So they may have had some sort of subconscious idea that that uh, 
that if you're not born a, a cisgendered woman, um, then then you can't have this um this dream power. That's what I thought it was too. I thought it was just the fact that she was born one way. They always just assumed that Maeve would be the one to get the powers. And I'm guessing what it is is that you know Nia transitioned at an early enough age before the powers developed. And that's sort of how she's come to get them instead. So I think in a sense, it's not that she's trying to be extremely malicious towards Nia. It's just that they had this expectation for, you know, 20 plus years that it was going to be one person and not the other. And that's a long time to be waiting for something. So like you said, it'll have to wait until we see how they interact afterwards more too to see if you know there's an apology or anything like that but I'm with Sarah on this one and I think it was sort of just a shattering of expectations and not necessarily that Maeve was never supportive of Nia. This entire plot line I thought was just almost immaculately done and set up just the fact that they have the superhero origin story and they've meshed it into this what was this eventual gut punch of this treatment of a transgendered woman that was just really well set up. There was an aspect which reminded me of our conversation in the previous podcast, because there was the line of once in a generation, some of our women, which didn't make sense to us. And this is them starting to set this up, though they probably should have said once per a generation, a woman in a family may, but hey, whatever. But there was clearly the setup. And the only part I felt a little manipulated was when Kara and Nia were discussing her powers, Kara asks, why are they so sure it's Maeve? And there could have been a conversation at that point in time where Kara might have brought up, is this somehow related to you being transgender? And I don't think they wanted it to even be discussed there. And honestly, I had been caught up on the grammar of this comment, and it didn't occur to me that Nia wouldn't count as a woman in the family. The gut punch hit hard because it didn't occur to me, but realistically, I thought that with this conversation with Kara and Mia, someone might have asked that question. And I think they didn't just so when Maeve lashes out, it hits that much harder. This is Sarah. I'm not quite sure what the point was of last week's episode, having had the sum of the women in the generation. And then this week it was one woman in 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 a generation. I mean, why last week even say some instead of one? I mean, it certainly threw uh, threw some people off because from the discussion y'all had last week where you were trying to puzzle out, why did they say some women? Uh, and that was part of a recap. So that actually was a line in even earlier episodes this season. So it was many episodes okay. ago, and it may have just been a grammar typo, or no one really okay. cared. But they thought it sounded better that way. I don't, I don't think that they meant anything by that. Trish here. The original language probably was not English, so the uh, <laughs> alien language may transpose some and one and, you know, indeterminate pronouns like that. <laughs> that is beautiful, headcanon. <laughs> <laughs> the interesting line where they tried to make feel somewhat more grounded is when Nia Mum said it's in her blood. And it's possible that, of course, the gender you are born doesn't matter, but the matrilineal cell organelles coming from the mother 
certainly would hold to an argument of it's in their blood and in their cells where it would still follow the mother's children. I feel like this is one of those things that might take another episode or two to sort out just because this was the first time we had seen Nia's family and with her mom passing in this episode, there was so much going on with her storyline and they sort of put it into this small little box during the episode almost. And I think there's going to be a lot to unpack with this particular storyline because I can't imagine it just going away after this episode. That would seem wrong on so many different levels. This is an origin story. Like this is Nia becoming a superhero origin story. Right. And yeah, we'll definitely see more of this. We get to see her super suit as passed down as well. So this is definitely leading. We'll see what Nia does, because I, I still view Nia's power basically as being that she's a Jedi, in that she can basically see the near future, even in combat. So we'll see what happens. I quite appreciated the line, as soon as her mother realizes it, and she says, it's your destiny to be my daughter. And I think it shows that they're giving a lot of weight to how much work and effort and difficulties Nia's overcome to become this hero and to have this power. So this is an aspect of the story showing that she's earned it in some fashion as well. Absolutely. Do we want to quickly discuss the more tail end of the episode where Kara reveals her secret to Nia and sort of the implications of that? I like the line soon before that where Kara says, keeping a secret from your sister will only hurt you. Uh, Debatable. (laughs) That comes off as a bit selfish. I have to say that I really enjoyed Supergirl getting fed up, not able to help Nia, and realizing that she just has to reveal herself as Supergirl and does that. That is just a a wonderful moment where Supergirl can help someone in a way of revealing a secret, which, of course, this episode is full of. And I I just really, really like the scene. Yeah, definitely. This is Sarah. I just thought part of what may have been driving um, Kara... Uh, Yes, she wanted to help Nia, but also Kara doesn't have her sister Alex anymore. She has someone who's not the Alex she grew up with anymore. And I thought she's this episode had people doing things partly out of loneliness um, uh, with James and Lena and with uh, Kara and Nia. So I I just I didn't think it was wrong for Kara to tell that to Nia, but I did think there may have it may have not been solely to help Nia. She wants a sister back who knows who she is and still loves her. Yeah, and like David was saying, she did it more out of selfish reasons, I think, than anything else. But at the same time, you can sort of see that this weight has been lifted because she's like, you know what? There are other heroes and I am one of them. And I just wanted to give a call out to the show for just doing this relatively groundbreaking thing is not only do we have the transgendered superhero but the other thing they did touched on briefly was that she also transitioned fairly young and that's i think a very important thing to give people the realization that this can happen to people who are fairly young and it's important to give support to them this show's done amazingly job with character yeah i agree yeah um trish here obviously the show is not having any confusion about whether Nia is a real woman or not. And, you know, <laughs> I I think that's great that they're taking a stand on their, you know, superhero uh, gender-linked 
powers. <laughs> this is Sarah. Yes, there have been so many um, uh, fantasies and you know, books and and comics and so on where there was something about uh, powers descending through gendered lines, and it's it is refreshing to see a show that 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 is not tied to cisgendered powers. So, in terms of people who probably would not share these feelings. Does anyone have anything else to say about the dude bro frat boys and the drug plot? Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> uh, Trish here. I, I thought it was amusing that Brainy's super awkward dude bro speak managed to get him his information anyway, just because those frat boys were so dumb. This is Sarah. I loved that it works because, well, I guess we all watch the same movies. <laughs> <laughs> There's points where I like Brainy, and there's a point where they take Brainy too far. This almost is far enough to wrap around. This is just so ridiculous. <laughs> this is Sarah. His clothes that he wore for that. <laughs> it does seem like he could have pumped them for just a little more information, but as soon as he had those the dealer's first names. He was like, well, got all we need. Ha <laughs> ha, I fooled you. <laughs> you know, it does seem like he could have maybe asked one or two more leading questions. Uh, like, you know, what kind of car did they drive or something else he could have pulled from them. Or at least thrown some kind of high sign to have, Trish here, to have them take him away, DEO take him away for more questioning so that he could have had the option of going back in and talking to those guys again. This is Sarah. I mean, they. I guess they just sort of decided, well, these are just stupid frat boy druggies and there's not much we can learn from them. But it does seem like it sort of threw away a perfectly good uh, uh, cover. Um, yeah. So I feel there's there's something more to be said about. So the, the younger sister of one of the drug dealers had apparently had a really bad childhood and so the drug dealer who was the driver of the car of the van um uh was her big brother and he kept saying things like i'm doing this all for you um and then they get beaten up and she's so angry that she drives away in the van to follow the guys who beat her up the sons of liberty sorry who beat her brother and his friend uh up and then later pops a pill. So is she, she isn't completely, she hasn't taken the rage pill before she drives away and leaves her beaten up brother and his best friend. Um, it, it, it just, I, I guess that was a lot of anger, but it was sort of, it just sort of seemed like a weird play out of things. Um, and the brother makes a point of, yeah, she was so mad she drove up and left them tied up and beaten up. She was already full of rage is the implication. She's always angry. <laughs> right and it's just you know earlier on the bus she i mean of course i know that people can be very very angry and sit there you know, doing crossword puzzles or whatever you know you, you you can be really really angry and not waving your arms and yelling it's true but it just seemed like a disconnect from the from the relationship they had seemed to have before her character was an interesting one that they just didn't have very much time to do very much with her, but they needed her in that plot. And what they really needed her for was for the conflict between Supergirl and Alex. Because the one thing this episode also does that I thought was great is they set up a situation 
where the challenge Supergirl has isn't hitting harder. The challenge Supergirl has is knowing what to do. And we have a position where she and Alex both come to the fight with different information, and that different information causes a conflict, and Supergirl's wrong. And that is just, I think, a great way of putting them in conflict and having Supergirl having difficulty where just being superpowered isn't always sufficient. This is Sarah. I would be really interested to see if if more episodes have more of these coming to situations with different information because they, they each had some valid information. And so it was really interesting to see how they came. And, and it's so true of life. You come into a situation with different sets of background knowledge and it reads totally different to each person. And so I, I think that would be, that has a lot of potential for the rest of the season. Trish here, even if you have the same information, if you come in with different assumptions, uh, you can read it totally differently. So yes, I too would like to see more of this. Nobody's all the way right and nobody's all the way wrong. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to see more of that. And the one other thing I wanted to add for the drug plot line is we are seeing an example of people taking a pill and suddenly having superpowers, which was referenced as this amazing thing that would be impossible. Now, there's a link in that the Red Supergirl was somehow created by the Harunel, and so perhaps the radiation coming off of her therefore also can do the same thing that Lena's doing. But it is interesting that we're getting another parallel path for humans getting superpowers. And no one seems to make reference to it, but I'm sure it's going to come back. (laughs) I imagine it's because they're all not supposed to know. (laughs) (laughs) The secrets will come out. This is Sarah. It did puzzle me a little when the Sons of Liberty took those drugs before getting in their van or truck (laughs) and driving off. (laughs) Wouldn't they drive there first and then take a quick, you know, moment with their pills before, you know, bursting on the town. It just doesn't seem like it'd be safe driving. (laughs) I don't think they care. Yeah, (laughs) at that point, they they don't care at all. If I wanted to be picky, I'd wonder why the special effects budget only allowed one person to get bigger as a function of taking the drugs. But whatever. (laughs) Well, those Trish here, those pills weren't an exact science, uh, so I I imagine one of them just got a bit more dosage than the others. Maybe one of them was bigger. (laughs) I have to say, maybe it's a function of what I thought of Elseworlds, but ever since Elseworlds, the show's been great. I think they do a really nice job of setting us up for the rest of the season with this episode, too, because you have not only the Nia storyline to follow now with her origin story and everything, but you still have the Alex and Supergirl drama that needs to play out. And then, like we mentioned earlier, the Jean Jones private investigator business that we could trail off into when, you know, things are getting a little too tense with Supergirl and Alex. And Lena. Yeah, Trisha, sometimes we'll just want some bottle episodes to take a little break from the other plot lines. So are there any other threads that we need to discuss? Or does that pretty much take care of the episode for now. I can't help but mention one silly thing, which is when they show Bobby's driver's license on the screen, they use footage from earlier in the show of the van being hit by the radiation, which makes no sense whatsoever and isn't even referenced in the dialogue. 
Sometimes post-production <laughs> goes too far. Oh, well. <laughs> this is Sarah. So I'm just thinking about Nia not having been trained for this power. So we're going to be seeing her make some mistakes uh, in trying to do dream interpretation. And um, if Maeve ever softens towards this whole situation, she and her sister could maybe make a great team. But I guess we'll have to see what happens with that. For Nia, this was really her Uncle Ben moment because she failed to save her. <laughs> right. You're right. <laughs> Trish here. Uh, of course, there's also the sad little point about family movie night. <laughs> no longer do they watch Wizard of Oz together because of it being Kara's favorite movie because she can't admit that it's her favorite movie for whatever reasons because it's related to her actual origin. And so now... Uh, T2 is comfort food for Alex. <laughs> this is Sarah. I mean, I like Terminator 2, but it's quite a different feel from Wizard of Oz. <laughs> so if you're used to family time seeing Wizard of Oz and then you switch to T2, it's, it's yeah, it's not going to be the same anymore. Um, I think it's pretty fair that when Alex is looking for fun movies and role models, Sarah Connor is not a bad choice. <laughs> this is Sarah. Absolutely. Yes. And especially Sarah Connor in T2 yes. is kick ass. <laughs> She's trained, you know, <laughs> to be the powerhouse that she is in T2. True here. I wonder if, if Alex ever got to see uh, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Deanna, any other thoughts from you? No, I think we definitely covered a lot this episode, and there was a lot to cover. So I'm sort of just looking forward to what comes next, and it'll be interesting to see if they bring back game night. <laughs> Lena and James have to win. You know, they can't just let that go. <laughs> oh, all we know for sure is Lena and James is going to lose something. <laughs> and I'm very curious to see it happen. Okay, well, I'd like to thank everybody um, for this fun conversation. I'd like to thank Deanna, who's going to uh, edit this episode for us. <laughs> the Incomparable for hosting us, and most of all, our listeners. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. If you want to follow along with us, uh, we're on at SG Supercast uh, on Twitter, or you can join the Incomparable uh, members Slack group, and a lot of us hang out on the TV channel. Okay, thanks everybody. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye.